You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of the Girl Take No podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Techno Podcast. I am your host, Shawnee Sanders. And today I have special guests with me, Elizabeth Solaru. She is an author, an international keynote speaker, an award-winning entrepreneur and host of her own podcast called the Luxury Business Podcast. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I'm really appreciative of you having me here today. Yes, this is going to be a really, really good show. I'm very interested um, in this business, in the luxury business. I just want to know more about it, basically, is what I'm saying. I really want to know more about it to make sure that my uh, my listeners know more and that they really get the best out of this show. So before we get started, I always like to ask my guests, what's the story behind the brand? What made you get into the luxury business? Wow. Okay. That is... Um... I'll give you a potted version, which is a shortened version. So essentially, I started my career many, many years ago as a scientist. I was a microbiologist, so I was working in a hospital, um, in a lab. And then I thought to myself, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I decided to get into business and I did an MBA. So after I did my MBA, again, many, many years ago, well over 20 years ago, yeah. I then decided, um, then I changed careers. I became a headhunter in the city. And then you all know what happened. 2008, um, there was a massive, massive recession. 
yeah. people weren't hiring. And then I became a cake maker. Oh. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I became a cake maker. However, um, I then ended up making cakes for many, many, many affluent people mm. around the world. So including the late the late Queen of England. Oh, wow. Um, it was, um, I made, it was a completely random call that I made one day because as a headhunter, I was trained to call, to make a hundred calls every week mm -hmm. to clients, you know, cold calling. So I was cold calling all the wedding planners in the yellow pages. And this voice picks up. It was a young girl. And she says, do you make cupcakes? I said, of course we make cupcakes. And I delivered some samples. And before I got home, I got another phone call saying, Lady Elizabeth wants to meet you. So oh, wow. I went back. Um, I did not know that Lady Elizabeth was the Queen's cousin, the mm -hmm. only person allowed to call the Queen by her name, um, you know, doesn't have to curtsy, etc. They're cousins on her mother's side. And she happened to be the very first uh, party planner in the UK. And that's how I ended up making cakes for the event she was um, talking about. I made mm -hmm. the cakes. They were a great success. And then she did something extraordinary in my eyes. She then wrote me a beautiful handwritten note. To oh, wow. Henry. And say, we had three cake makers for this particular event. Your cakes were the best. And you can use this letter or the words in this letter as part of your marketing for as long as you want to. <laughs> I thought that was extremely generous. And that um, little note, um, using those words opened so many doors for me. So that was my first foray into mm -hmm. the luxury world. Um, mm. She, it, The grace she showed me, I worked with her for many, many years after that. It wasn't regular, but maybe once or twice a year, she'll give me a call, I'll deliver, yeah. et cetera. So that gave me an idea of the, the, you know, the affluent types of people. So that's when I began to realize that there were different types of um, ultra high net worth people, different types of rich people. Because yeah. people often say, how do I get rich clients? For me, that's the wrong question to ask. Yeah. The question, the question you should be asking is, what is the most value that I can give people? And when you do that, these luxury clients will definitely come to you. So that in a nutshell is how I created my brand, created my cake business. And then as a result of the pandemic, I started doing a lot more um, teaching, a lot more talking about this particular topic mm -hmm. around luxury. And then I got platformed a lot. So I did luxury conferences in Italy did luxury conferences in Switzerland, in Paris, on top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And it's just grown and grown and grown. So that's where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's an amazing story. Like seriously, and it's just like how you jumped and then to cake maker, you know what I mean? It's such an interesting, <laughs> it's such an interesting path, but you know what, what you're passionate about is what you're passionate about. And I'm pretty sure, did you, did you know, I'm pretty sure you didn't know that this is where you would be on the cake making no. side of things, right? No, no, never. <laughs> I mean, I've delivered cakes all over the world. Yeah. Um, I've delivered to palaces. I've met, I've sat across board tables, you know, like proper 
moguls, people who yeah. made a shed load of money. So I never in a million years thought with cakes that could happen. Yeah. Having said that, I'm a firm believer that everything else that had happened in my life prepared me for that moment. Because when I was working as a headhunter, I was interviewing chief executives of large companies, multi, multi-million pound companies. Mm-hmm. And I had never run a lemonade stand in my life. <laughs> and yet I was interviewing them for jobs. Yeah. Um, and, but the one thing that I, that I learned on that job is how to talk to people, how to read people, body language, how yeah. to look, how to look between, you know, what, that, because there's a way they will tell you certain answers mm-hmm. and then you probe a bit further, how you can press further, how you can deal with different temperaments. And essentially in that job, I was a matchmaker. So I had to yeah. find the right client for the right organization. That yeah. was all I did. And I believe the same thing in my business, in the luxury industry, because not all clients are my client, not all rich clients are my client. Yeah. Um, so there, there was that as well, um, knowing the type of business that I was, cause that's another thing, um, I will be talking about in my upcoming book. Yeah. You, you need to know the type of business you are and then know the type of luxury client that suits you. And then yeah. that way you, there's a lovely matchmaking process. Um, mm. and people are astonished when I say there are seven different types of rich client, Mm. so you need to know your type it's it, you know it's like dating you need to yeah know your type. <laughs> you that's need to interesting know your type. <laughs> <laughs> you do need to know your type <laughs> you need to know your type so and just because you're not somebody's type doesn't mean you're not the type for somebody else yeah so that's the way I look at business as well especially in the luxury world Oh my goodness. Did you always see yourself in an entrepreneurship role that eventually you thought, okay, I'm I'm definitely going to be an entrepreneur. Did you think it was just going to be more the career woman? Oh, definitely career. I, all my professors, because I, when I was doing my master's in medical microbiology and parasitology, Mm -hmm. all my professors used to think I would end up being a professor. I thought I was going to end up being a professor of microbiology Mm. because I really, I started my PhD, actually. I started Mm -hmm. my PhD, I was lecturing, but um, then I moved across to London and I decided to work for a bit, et cetera, et cetera. So I honestly thought I was going to be in academia. So for me to wake up one day and go, and also, my, you know, my background, my heritage, I've got African parents and African yeah. parents are all about <laughs> being a doctor, about, lawyer, doctor, <laughs> yeah, everything else is, you know, doctor, lawyer or, 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 or failure. Yeah. And they're literally, they're very black and white. So when I decided I wanted to become a cake maker, <laughs> it was as baffling to. <laughs> I know it didn't go over well. <laughs> no, it, didn't. <laughs> it didn't. But having said that, I remember um, um, being approached by a massive, massive bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and they um, brought me back to my parents' um, home country, um, you know, to give a massive lecture beyond their TV, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that was when the penny dropped for my dad. He was like, they're treating you to like a chauffeured car and security guards and <laughs> it put you in a swanky hotel. I mean, I, can, I they gave me so many rooms in that hotel. I could put my whole family in the room. But, 
<laughs> so that, so that, that was when the penny dropped for my dad. Like, wow, okay, um, maybe there is something to this thing. Yeah. So, again, but but again, those traditional doctor, lawyer, yeah, uh, maybe engineer, maybe accountant. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so how would one define a luxury client? Ah, okay. So a luxury client can be defined by, I, a lot of people tend to define them by money. Mm -hmm. Money. That's where my mind goes to. Yeah. Money is a small part of it. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. about them. It's about their lifestyle. It's about their appreciation of quality, their appreciation of craftsmanship. It's about, um, and there's a lot, like I said, there's, there are about seven types. So to give you a small example of, of mm-hmm. how to define them. So you might have a client type that is all about having the best. So I call them the simply the best mm. or the know and shows. So they know all the brands, all the big brands, they mm-hmm. know the brands, they even have a few favorites and they always want the latest and the best. And they've got to be the first person to have that particular thing. So if you're selling to them, you need to sell based on this is our latest offering. It's the most expensive. And guess who has that exact thing? Or I'm going to create something for you that nobody else has. And it's going to be the most expensive in the world because that's how they view themselves through that particular lens. Now, Mm. on the other hand, another type of client is what I call the aspirational So your aspirational client could be, there are four different types. So even with the, um, uh, with the simply the best, there are about five different types. Yeah. So with the, with the aspirationals, there are about four different types. So you've got the dreamers, you've got the face savers. So for example, a face saver aspirational, maybe the family used to be rich and they Mm -hmm. lost all the money, Mm -hmm. but to keep up appearances and to, and to save face, they call it saving oh, yeah. face. Just yeah, saving, saving face. face. Mm-hmm. They will still act as if, you know, they're into, they, they grew up with luxury after all, but, you know, they've lost the money. So they yeah. might have a family name. So they will trade on the name. Mm-hmm. And because they trade on the name, they expect things for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they, trust me, they expect things for free. So because they expect things for free, so you're thinking, oh my God, they're a luxury client. They've got money. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. They're face savers. They might, um, they have a mix of maybe old, you know, very old, you know, jewelry bags. You know, they've got a, a few old things. Yeah, and yeah. They mix it with a few low price things. So they're still keeping up appearance. Yeah. They're aspirational. So again, it's about those little differences and you get to know people um, because <laughs> they will ask you certain questions. Um, but you get to know where, they're, where, they're, where their heart and their mind, you know, yeah. and, what, and their brain is at. So those are a couple of examples. But like I said, there are seven different types. Mm. Do you name all seven types in your book? Yes, I name okay. all seven in my book. And I give examples. I even give celebrity examples as well. Mm-hmm. I give celebrity examples as well, especially contemporary celebrities. I'll say, okay, this is how they buy. This is the brands they buy from. And this is yeah. why they buy from those brands. So that's how I define um, a luxury client, which is slightly different to, I think, majority of people. Yeah. Um, because people are very black and white. Oh, they've got money. Um, not, all, yeah. not all people with money are luxury clients. 
Yeah, you're right. Because that's a, that's what my mind went to. Oh, well, they have money. And so that's why they're luxury clients. And that's that's good to know. Um, you know, speaking of like when you said something about when you talked about, you know, they want it for free. Do you sometimes get into that conversation where you come to a luxury client, they'll come to you and they expect it to be free because of either their name or who they are and you you'll get more out of this than me type of thing? Yeah, I mean, certain um, certain celebrities. So, yeah, um, funnily enough, um, not the A-listers, um, mm-hmm. funnily enough, not the A-listers or whatever. OK, I don't, I don't grade people, but there are, you know, certain influencers or certain people. They'll say, oh, I've got, you know, a, a, a million followers and yeah. I will pay you an exposure. And um, I will have to say, you know, this is a great opportunity, but sadly, I have to decline because my mortgage doesn't get paid an exposure box. I know know that's right, Elizabeth. That is, that is a good one. (laughs) You know, regretfully, you know, and I'm really very, very polite, but yeah, because I, they, they, you know, the sting in the tail, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a Brit. So we do this shade. Yes. Very nice you shade. Know, very nice shade. But unfortunately, um, you know, at this point in time, um, this will not be feasible for me to offer you that. Um, mm-hmm. And in, I can tell you at the beginning and again, um, at the beginning of your business, mm-hmm. if you choose to do that, honestly, that could be a great um, boost for your business. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but then I call it sometimes for some of it, it's vanity metrics. Because yeah. it's not putting any, it's not putting any cash in your in your in your pocket. But having said that, if you do decide to go for the vanity metrics, make sure you have a contract. Mm-hmm. Because okay. The, because these people will get you to sign a non-disclosure, or they'll get you to sign some random contract, and you're so excited about the opportunity. Yeah. Or for example, they might say something like. Oh, it's going to go into a magazine, maybe People magazine, maybe yeah. Hello magazine. So it's going to go into a magazine. But what they don't tell you is that, number one, the magazine has editorial rights. So um, all the images in that magazine, they don't belong to you. And you mm-hmm. could actually be sued if you use those magazine, uh, th- those images on your platform. Wow. Secondly, you might not even get access to those images at all. Yeah. <laughs> And then thirdly, thirdly, they might not use any of your images in their in the magazine. Yeah, because they might decide actually the you know we want to focus more on the couple or mm-hmm. some of their celebrity friends rather mm-hmm. than your cake or rather than so you've got to be very careful. So that's why you need an amazing contract to say if I do this for free or for exposure box. This is the exposure that I expect. Yeah. And you need to be very specific. Don't just stick me on an Instagram stories that's going to disappear after 24 hours. Yeah. I need several posts on a number of platforms. So you've got to be as specific as possible. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Do you get a lot of influencers that maybe DM you and asking for those type of collaborations? I, I do get some. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it really depends. So, for example, in the old days of magazines, for example, yeah. mm-hmm. um, in the day, this was way before online, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. With magazines, um, if a magazine like Vogue comes to you or Bride's mm-hmm. magazine in those days, 
you will jump at it. Yeah. Because they're literally gifting you £5,000 worth of free advertising. Mm -hmm. So that's a different, um, and they've come to you saying, we want you to create this for us and it's going to be featured, blah, blah, blah. So you know it's part of the editorial calendar yeah. as opposed to a random celebrity that you don't even know. They might not even make <laughs> the magazine <laughs> themselves because if, yeah. if a bigger celebrity comes along, or if the Oscars come along, yeah. they get bumped. So oh, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. Oh, you know, speaking about that, because, you know, back in the day it was magazines. That's the way a lot of people got exposure in marketing. And now we move over to digital, you know. So how does the exposure happen now with this new digital world that we live in? Um, With with it's it tends to be more um, more even if it's an A-list celebrity, there is Mm -hmm. always part of that influencer part of their role. Yeah. So that's the bit you need to tap into. And they can have millions across their digital platform. Yeah. But that doesn't mean their followers are any good for you. Yeah. Be- and also, they, they need to legally declare that this is sponsored content. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if any of their followers are going to be impressed by a sponsored content for your for your yeah. um, products and services. But having said that, there are certain... Um, celebrities that if they carry your, say you're a handbag maker, yeah. or you make jewelry, if they wear that jewelry, so for example, somebody like Meghan Markle, yeah. as much as the British press always abuse her, and I don't mm-hmm. know why, to be honest with you, I don't either. everything <laughs> she touches t- turns to gold. So yeah. if she wears a piece of jewelry, she does, you know, so which sometimes is in contrast to certain celebrities that are praised to high heavens, yeah, but nobody wears yeah. what they wear. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. So this is where you've got to do your own homework. So mm-hmm. a celebrity, if they have their own, what I call the stands, not just fans, but if they have stands that support them, promote their work, that would buy anything mm-hmm. that they do, that they touch. So some of the K-pop um the K-pop um, pop stars, for example, yeah. mm-hmm. they are amazingly powerful. They really so are. If they, they really are anything, that will sell out. So yeah. that's what you need to <laughs> Absolutely. be looking for. That's what you need to be looking for, that type of influence. So it's not just them being an influencer. It's the type of influence, is the engagement that mm-hmm. they get. Um, at, you know, real engagement, not, you know, not bought. Real yeah. engagement and... Are they thought leaders in their space? You need to think about that as well. So do luxury clients are on the brand side and also on the individual person side? Or do you you mainly deal with the client, like an individual person versus a brand? I deal with both, actually. So I have collaborated with brands like Fendi. Mm -hmm. So when Fendi um, decided to launch a range of bags called the peekaboo uh, uh, bags. Mm-hmm. They then created a cafe in Harrods. Um, Harrods is like the swankiest, um, poshest departmental store yeah. in the world, some people claim. Yeah. Um, so in Harrods, they, they got this amazing space. They created the Fendi Cafe mm-hmm. and I collaborated with them. And the bags I created for them, cake bags I created, 
literally went viral. Everyone's sharing those photos. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing I do. I've, printed, yeah. um, I've collaborated with, a, with other top brands as well, hotels. And I do, I do, you know, so those collaborations are good for me. Yeah. No, yes, I may not be getting um, paid a, a shed load of money for this, but the exposure, the, yeah. the, the, the images, because another thing that drives luxury are those images. Oh yeah. And yeah. I can, I can write a whole chapter about images, the, the right type of images. That's why if you notice publications like Vogue will spend thousands and thousands getting the right imagery brands, yeah. um, spend the right imagery can make or break. And even when you get, and it was funny cause I was, um, I was thinking about the Law Roach and mm -hmm. Zendaya situation. Okay. Uh, which is, I'm, you know, I, I'm a bit upset about that. <laughs> Not that I don't even know them, but I'm know. upset. Because <laughs> we take things personal when it comes we to people we like. We do. But, um, this is where, when it comes to luxury, this is where Law Roach is mm -hmm. incredible. Because every girl that he has styled, mm -hmm end up getting these amazing brand deals. Yeah. There is something about his styling that he just, you know, obviously the girls are beautiful to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah. But he then, it's like he's creating, I don't know how to explain it, but it's a very, it's what I call luxury, um, uh, added luxury value or luxury mm -hmm. added value. Mm -hmm. Because it takes this amazing looking girl and he puts them in the right clothes. And then these luxury brands think, yeah, that's the yeah. girl for me. Yeah. But this is where the luxury brands then shoot themselves in the foot. They then, after they give these girls the deal, they then exclude him. Mm. So they oh, lose, wow. They so that's why, you know, so that's what people, that's a spec word on the street speculation. Yeah. So this is probably girl number three that this has happened to where he styles them, they become huge. And they get this amazing deal and then it's sayonara to him. Like he gets and left then, out. And then they then do their own thing. These big brands, they do their own thing. But then the magic is not there. Yeah. So that's why. Because he comes with the magic. He yeah. comes with, he brings that magic. He, yeah. He, so I, I don't know if he's truly retired. Mm -hmm. I pray he hasn't. But if I were a luxury brand right now, <laughs> I'd literally go and bend at me to him and, you know, ask him to name his price. Yeah. Wow. That is so, I didn't even know that. But uh, that, yeah, that is, now that is something to definitely <laughs> deal with. And I'm putting it out to the universe. Laura Roach, if you want to style me. <laughs> yeah. Just hit up Elizabeth. She's ready to go. I'm ready to go. We all want to take off there too. <laughs> um, how has Antipur, how has the road been with this business? Has it been any challenges that you had to face during this time? Because from your story, it seemed like it just really happened for you organically and it just started taking off. You know what I mean? Were there times where you were like, why did I do this? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, there's the, I don't know if you, there's this famous meme about mm -hmm. you know what people see so yes <laughs> what you see versus what's really happening what's really happening yeah 
challenges? Are you kidding me? <laughs> My road is paved. <laughs> paved with them. Paved with them. But I think that the good thing is that um, sometimes for me, well, this is what I find, and I don't know if that's the same for everybody, mm-hmm. the big obstacles in my way they're actually not you know those I think okay I can go over I can go around you know yeah those are not too bad although they're big horrible obstacles blocking my way yeah but what I find the worst is what I call the pebble in my shoe <laughs> now that is the worst <laughs> that is exactly is the yes pebble in my shoe so th- there are challenges that I have been like that the mm-hmm. pebble in the shoe um, mm. so, but the thing is, you know, again, you got to take off your shoe, get rid of the pebble and keep going. Yeah. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you get used to that pebble in your shoe <laughs> because you keep working, you know, you keep working with it. Keep working yeah. With it. I've, I've had so many challenges, um, mm-hmm. from the first five years, for example, yeah. trying to position myself. I didn't even mm-hmm. know how to position myself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was very new to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, another challenge I because I didn't know um I did not know one what I was doing, two, I didn't know what my value was, the value I brought. Yes. And that takes time. That really yeah. takes especially in the luxury industry. Yeah. Um, so I underpriced, I shortchanged yes. myself, I did too much. Like these are things that people do. Then the third thing is around um cash flow. Mm-hmm. Because especially many, many women in business, I heard some stats yesterday that shocked me. Yeah. Um, only 0.5% of women in business will make maybe a hundred thousand to a million dollars. Only 0.5%. And 90 percent wow. of women will definitely be making under a hundred grand. That is if they stay in business after five years. So Are you those, serious? Yes, it's that low. It's that low because women, we tend to undervalue ourselves. We do. Mm-hmm. We are not born with the audacity gene. Yeah. You know, yeah. the audacity gene that makes, and I, and I saw that actually um, when I was, and it doesn't matter what position, whether chief executive, whether director of finance, yeah. it didn't matter I saw it in candidates as well. So a male candidate would say, the job description requires 10 things. I can do three. I'm going to apply. Oh, wow. Yes. Female candidate would say, the job requires 10 things. I can only do eight. Therefore, I will not apply. Yeah. So though, and that those are real things that I saw. And this was many years ago. And it saddens me that those things are still true today today you know it's so funny you mentioned that I just had a conversation yesterday with a woman that I interviewed yesterday um her name is Lamore and she does professional coaching and she said this I told her the same exact thing that I was at a fireside chat and a woman who was a very high level in the organization I was working for at the time said the same thing she said women will not apply for a job they'll have they can do 10 of the things that's on the job description but because they can't do a few of them, they will not apply. But a man will apply even if he could just do two or three. And it's it's confidence. It's like, I don't understand why, as women, we lack confidence in our skills and our abilities. 
it is, it amazes me. I was so blown away by it. Just like, I'm still blown away by what you said too, <laughs> but it, I, it's sad. I think it goes back to sometimes childhood. Um, yeah. Because as girls, you're not, a, especially my generation anyway. Yeah. Um, you were not encouraged to put yourself forward or be for, you know, even the word forward, you know, don't mm -hmm. be forward, you know, be, yeah. be yeah. modest, yeah. be humble, be humble. Um, mm -hmm. Even now you see, um, certain men say things like, I'm going to humble her. She oh, needs yeah. to be humbled. Humbled, yes. Yeah. So, yes. But there's a difference between humility and humiliation. Mm -hmm. Those are two different words. Yeah, they so are. I don't Definitely. believe you've got to humiliate yourself in order for people to consider you. Um, not, you know, if you have the potential, you've got the, the, the skill set, um, or even you feel that you can do the job. Mm -hmm. Just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Even even in business, asking for um, when it comes to pricing, that's yes. another thing. So some of the clients I work with as well, severely underpricing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not and not again recognizing their own value. So again, um, yeah. So yeah. How long do you think it takes for someone to, because you're right, everyone comes out of the ball park very low with their services. If not, like you said, giving away for free, they try to get the exposure. How long does it take for a person to recognize, okay, I really need started pricing what my worth is and understand that some people are just not going to pay for it. And those people are just not my clients. I think um, I, the, the one good thing I would say is that I'm seeing that time scale getting shorter and shorter mm -hmm. as more people are becoming entrepreneurs or as they're talking yeah. to more people. Um, I would say in the old days, it probably would have taken about five years because uh, some women will go on and on and on and on and on. But yeah. now the time is shortened to about two to three years. And I also think that we need to give ourselves, we need to give ourselves the grace and time to work things out because even if someone's saying to you, you deserve more, you deserve more, you need to feel um, in your heart and in your mind that you deserve it. Because yeah. we have our minds working for us and against us. Yeah. Because our minds are split into three. You've got your conscious mind, subconscious mind, and your conscious mind. Mm-hmm. It's the subconscious that is the problem because the subconscious has been programmed right from when we are children. Yeah. So for us to then start to reprogram and start speaking those words and start believing those words, it will take time to undo all that damage from the time we're Childhood. told, don't do this or don't do that. You know, yeah. So it takes a long time. But thankfully, that time is being shortened right now. As yeah. many women are supporting each other, encouraging mm -hmm. each other. And now we're having female billionaire CEOs. Yeah. Um, especially yep. in America. We've yeah. Quite yeah. A, you know, you, you know, we've got quite a few women um, uh, and they're very honest and very open mm -hmm. about how they started and, you know, yeah. sharing. So, th so those things really do help other entrepreneurs. It do. Let me ask you, do you see more African-American women that, undervalue their services more so than any other race of women? Um, because I'm, I'm British. I can only yeah. speak from, you know, my perspective as a Brit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think we are facing a triple whammy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I consider us the same. So whether African-American or British black or whatever you, yeah. you, yeah. you know, black is black in my book. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. We are dealing with a triple whammy. So we're dealing with being black. Yeah, being being a female, mm-hmm. and also we're dealing with the fact that we are not readily supported. So yeah. we are trained, and I say this: this is the difference between us and maybe some other races. Mm-hmm. We are trained not to cry, and yeah. we are trained not to ask for help. Yes, because we are the help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are everybody else. Yes, we are. You know, we every, are. Honestly, in my industry, oh my god, go to Elizabeth. She's so lovely. Oh, she's so nice. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. actually, uh-uh, that's a bad thing. <laughs> I cannot be carrying the weight of the whole world on these shoulders. No. You know. So, and also, when you know, because, and also, they describe us as strong black women. Women. Mm-hmm. I am not strong. I am so. Okay. <laughs> I am here for a soft life. I'm here for a soft life. I cry sometimes. I get hurt. You know what I mean? And that's so funny because we we depict ourselves as being strong, especially when it comes to mental health things where we're going through things. We won't say it because we always feel like we were raised to say to to be we are strong and you have to be strong no matter what happens. You got to exactly. show a strong face. And you, you're so right about that as black women. That's just something we've always done to our detriment. And also not even, so we have that, but also the way society views us as well. Yes. If I go online crying, I'm, I will be irritating people. Yes. If somebody else of another race, go, you know, female go, goes online crying. They get this support. Oh my God. You know, they get the we, support they need. Yep. We, mm-hmm. we don't get that. We don't even get that grace. No, um, we don't. And, and an example is um, Angela Bassett. Um, yeah. The Oscars. Yeah. Um, a guy actually said to to her, you know, to shut up and, you know, and people were like, oh, she wasn't gracious. And I'm like, why should she be? <laughs> why does she have to be? Why does she have to? There was another um, lady, a non-black lady whose face was also shown on screen, who also wasn't amused, but nobody <laughs> said anything about her. Yeah. But this, you know, they only come after the black was woman. expected to be mm-hmm. graceful, even in the face of being cheated in my view you know <laughs> i felt she was robbed but what do yes, i know she was again i wasn't on the path because when, when people on the um who give out the oscars some of them were saying they didn't even watch her film mm. so again, so how could you even could if you, you didn't even watch again, it you know yeah okay, we're here to talk about business <laughs> <laughs> but we could definitely talk about that, talk about that. <laughs> you know when did you I th- you know, a lot of entrepreneurs really do make that um, mistake where we feel like we can do it all. And we know we have to understand the value of having help. You know, did you get to a place where you feel like, OK, I can't manage everything. I have to maybe outsource some things and ask for help here because it's hard for us to ask for help. It really is. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I knew if I wanted to grow, if I wanted to yeah. grow my reputation, if I wanted to grow my business, um, I needed to get help and let go. Mm-hmm. And starting by maybe, and for a lot of entrepreneurs, you can start by getting a virtual assistant. Yep. You can start by getting other people. Because, for example, I want, you know, what I, my products, I want them done a certain way. Mm-hmm. But then I read, there's a book by his, I think the surname is Gerber. Mm-hmm. Um, and where he talks about 
the McDonaldization of your of your organization. Mm. So it's essentially the theory is that anybody can go into McDonald's and get a job. Yeah. You don't need to be particularly skilled. And that's because McDonald's have a file or a handbook mm-hmm. where everything is broken down step by step. You know, take the burger bun out of the freezer, mm-hmm. put it in the microwave, yeah. take the bun, um, you know, put it put it there for five seconds. Everything is broken down to the to the uh, merest detail. Yeah. And also we need to get over ourselves. Yeah. You need to get over yourself and then say, you know what? They might not do it the way I do it. However, they that's a big challenge. Yes, exactly. But if you have that manual, so one of the things I ask for, because I've got a lab background, I used to work in a Mm -hmm. laboratory. The one thing that ruled our lives in in a laboratory are the standard operating procedures. So you have a file. So every test you do, you do it according to what's written, because if you don't do that test according to what's written in that file, Mm-hmm. Using that methodology, using those controls, you could literally kill somebody because oh, it was wow. life yeah. or death. Yeah. If if I'm testing for meningitis or I'm testing mm-hmm. for a hematoma and I don't use standard operating procedure, mm-hmm. I can get false results and give the doctors the wrong results. So yeah, again, those implications are there. Yeah. So with that background, I was able to McDonaldize, as they say, certain aspects of my business. Yes. So I could be front facing, um, get more business in, and I could be at the other end delivering, but the in between, you can get people to do that for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing about it. You have to definitely know. And everybody I talk to when it comes to entrepreneurs says you have to have in order to grow, you have to have a team. You have to have yes. help. That's the only way growth happens. Absolutely. You can't do it all on your own. And I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs, you know, maybe start out that way because you feel like, OK, financially, I can't pay for nobody else to do these things. But when you're in a place where you can, then the best thing to do is go ahead and get that stuff outsourced. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about when did you take the leap from corporate career woman to entrepreneur and what did that feel like for you? OK, it was, <laughs> it was kind of forced upon me because. Okay of the recession of 2008. Um, I lost my job. And Mm -hmm. then I thought, you know what? I then reached a milestone birthday. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Yeah. I decided to go for it, which was the worst time ever (laughs) to set up a business. It was so bad. recession, yeah. It was really, really bad. I remember um, those days were, for me, it was gray. It was cold. (laughs) But having said that... um, they were, they were um, in some ways, they were exciting times for me. Yeah. Because I'd never been an entrepreneur. I had no idea where to start. Yes. So um, I, I did several things. I took advantage of a lot of free government courses. Oh, now, yeah. I live in an area where, you know, it's relatively, I wouldn't say it's uber. Well, actually, it's, it's affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my neighbors are not millionaires or anything like that. But... <laughs> Down the road from me, there are, you know, a great deal of rich people. Yeah. Um, so about, yeah, about a mile or so from me. So I mm-hmm. kind of thought, so what I would do, I would go to another borough mm-hmm. um, where they had free government programs. 
um, and I will talk my way onto the program. I don't know how I did it, but I did. <laughs> I'll talk you are gifted. <laughs> I just talked my way onto the program. And yeah. like, there was one time I was talking my way and the lady started laughing and she said, you know what? I live in the same area as you, Elizabeth, and I'm running the program here. So you know what? For that alone, <laughs> for the fact that you came, you know, 10 miles, <laughs> I will give you a spot. So... I did that. So there are many free government programs that I did. Yeah. And another thing I did, which is basic, and I say to people sometimes, forget technology. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to go back to basics. What yeah. I did, because again, I had no money. Yeah. Um, I went to um, a cab office, you know, like a, a taxi office, mm-hmm. um, because in those days we had um, cab office. So I went to a cab yeah. office because I know they leaflet. They normally mm. leaflet different air, different postcodes. And I said, on the days you are going to the poshest postcodes, can you drop my cards with your cards? Oh, wow. I know, right? Yeah. And I said, how much would you charge me? He said, 10 pounds. Because someone's, someone's going to do this for anyway. So yeah. he literally would charge me maybe 10 pounds, maybe 20 pounds, depending on how many cards I had. Yeah. I even did some leafletting myself. And any day I do leafletting, I always got an order any day. Mm, that is good. Exactly. Right. So yeah, I, all I did, because it, it was just a mile down the road from me. So I'll just walk. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, that's my exercise for the day. I'll walk up and down. Yeah. Leaflet. And, but the thing was, I made sure that the cards were really beautiful. Yeah. So people wanted to keep them just in case. And yeah. I still have clients from those days um, being my clients now. So my point is, you've just got to be creative. When you have yeah. no money, you need to force yourself to be creative. So the early days were challenging in many, <laughs> many ways. Um, mm-hmm. I was learning. I was trying to perfect my craft. Yeah. That was another thing. Um, I remember even when I was a headhunter, when I had money, mm-hmm. rather than go on holiday and go and lie on a beach somewhere, I would literally be in maybe culinary school in Florida, mm. in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to come over a lot to America mm-hmm. um, because, again, this was way before YouTube. And yeah. I wanted to learn. And all my cake heroes were American. So I did a lot of that as well. I did a wow. lot of Wow. You was very resourceful. Very. <laughs> you have to be. You have yeah. To be. You have so to be. how does one get into the luxury business? How do you even start? Okay. So what you need to do, the first thing is you need to, first of all, I always say this, the product has got to be good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, and again, this might surprise people, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best mm-hmm. or the best of the best, but it's got to be good. Yeah. Really good. So, yeah. you know, quality, superior quality, superior standard, etc. And when I mean good, I'm not, I'm not talking about my family and friends think it's good. Yes. I'm talking about, because <laughs> your family and friends love you, so they're going to lie to you. Yeah. Actually, no. If you have someone like my sister, she wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> She's hard. So, so the product has got to be good. And if the product is good, then you've got to think about, okay, how do I get a two, a three, maybe three or four things? One, how do I get my name out there? Yeah. Uh, two, how do I get the most stunning images of my product? 
They've got to be the best images anyone has ever seen. Mm -hmm. Then number three, you need to think about your values. You know, what is it about your product? People talk about USP. I believe your USP can be found in your values. So the people that buy from you or the people that you sell to, what do you want them to be like? So you need to create that, really, really create it. If you have to create a mood board, a Pinterest board, whatever it is, you need to do that. And the fourth thing you need to do is look at the different types of luxury clients. Yeah. And look at who your competitors are. Now, the competitor piece um, for me is, you know, it's neither here or there. It's nice to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I will say to people, do not copy what they're doing. Do not copy their prices because it's like being part of a marathon, right? Yeah. You're all going to finish the race, but you're not going to, you're not going to be first. You're not, you're not going to come first. You're going to be part of the marathon. So sometimes (laughs) if you're starting out in business, you might want to, you know, see what your competitors are doing, maybe copy some of their strategies. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Yes. But to be, elite to be like the best of the best or the best known you've got to try you know some other strategies and a key and i can't emphasize this enough is knowing your client type and knowing your brand type because as a luxury business you for example you could be what i call um uh, maybe a a, 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 a a cost plus. So, you know, when mm. you go to the supermarket, certainly in the UK, um, the supermarket has a basic, so a value range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they have a normal range. Mm-hmm. Then they have a premium range. So you need to know where you fit. Yeah. As a brand, you know. So if you're a value range or a basic range, but you want to sell high end, that may not be possible. Yeah. Even if you have fancy packaging, et cetera, et cetera, because luxury clients, they have an expectation and their expectations are very, very high. Yeah. So you need to be really objective. Um, Your value, for example, may not even lie in the product itself. Mm -hmm. Your value could lie, for example, in the fact that um, maybe you're a sustainable brand Maybe you source a particular ingredient from the mm-hmm. only place in the world. So for me, for example, some of the icings that I use certainly early on in my um, in my business mm-hmm. was sourced from Switzerland. Mm. And it was very difficult to get in the UK in those days before the company decided to start shipping. You could only yeah. get it from one place. So little things like that, you need to find your point of differentiation. Mm-hmm. So the craftsmanship is guaranteed. The quality is guaranteed. The quality of the ingredients is guaranteed. But what is that added luxury value that you bring? Yes. And then, you're, you know, even things like your website, the way you write your copy. Mm-hmm. So if you go to many luxury websites... They don't um, blast you with too much text. Yeah. They let the images do all the results. They let the images and the results do the talking. But having said that, there are ways in which you still need to use your words. So yeah. when you use those, funnily enough, the one word, <laughs> and I know this is weird, the one word that you should not use in your copy is the word luxury. 
Because <laughs> yes, they know you're not luxury if you use luxury if then. Because it's an overused, oversubscribed word. So some yeah. people might say, mm, maybe they're not. So there are certain things that have been said that though, um, the, in your um, in your Google rankings, mm-hmm. in, in the you know your your what's it called the the meta description, you could actually use the word luxury. Oh, that's good. Which, yeah, which, so exactly, search which, terms. With search, you know, search terms. So yeah. So you, so it's 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 um it's an art and a science, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah, you need to know when to use the word luxury and when not to use the word luxury. So don't, you know, don't, don't, so I've seen people stuff um, their blog posts with the keyword luxury mm-hmm. thinking, oh my God, that'll get me to the, no, no, no. Because even if it gets you to the top of the search rankings and people log on your website and they're not impressed, they're going to bounce out really quickly. Yeah, so your bounce true. rate, and that's going to kill your website because Google's going to be like, why are people fleeing from keep this leaving, website? Yeah. Keep leaving. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the things that you need to be aware of. Are this are these some of the things that you go over in your book as well? I go over some of them, but some okay. of them I teach um, mm-hmm. I, as a coach, or yeah. I've got a membership as well. These are some of the things I teach um, in my book. It's gonna, my book is going to focus on um, obviously luxury brands, um, yeah. small businesses, not the big brands, but the small yeah, yeah, small brands. Mm-hmm. And then I will also focus on luxury clients. Okay, many is, people don't talk about that enough. I believe yes. Is the book out now or is it just something you're doing at this moment? I am doing at this moment, but okay. at the end of the year, it will be ready. But it's something I'm doing right now. Cool. Then you definitely got to come back on the show so we can talk about oh, the book you. when you release the book. <laughs> this has been really good. I, I mean, I've learned a lot about the luxury business. I really did. And I think I can now knowledgeably talk to other people about it and then whatever I can I'm like you know I'm gonna refer you to someone who's an expert in it (laughs) that will be and I know so I listen anyone who's looking to get into the luxury business please contact Elizabeth her info will be in the description of the podcast and also on YouTube this has been a really good show but before I end the show Elizabeth I want to ask you a question that I normally ask all my guests that come on the show and what is some of the best advice you receive from another woman Oh, from another woman. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, it could be anybody. Yeah. I think the best advice is um, do not undervalue yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, recognize what you bring to the table, because sometimes you are actually the table. Um, it was from another black woman who said, yeah. You know, sometimes we will, you know, lay down on, you know, be on our fours and people will be eating off our back. Yes. Um, and from that, I got the true meaning, you know, the, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not yeah. want. Mm-hmm. Um, he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. And I got the true meaning because for me, it was like, hang on. If a table is set before me. Mm-hmm. in front of my enemies mm-hmm. why you know number one why is it in front of my enemies not in front of my family and friends yeah yeah number one and number two why am I not eating from that table mm-hmm. why am I worried you know why am I you know because if a table is set before you it means a, a, an amazing feast has been prepared for you yes that's why the table is set yep that's so why why are we not eating from that table Mm-hmm. So that woman really, 
you know, got me thinking around do not undervalue yourself ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, have audacity. I think that's great. And I think that's the type of advice that you could take in any part of your life to not undervalue yourself, not just in business, but in your personal life and your relationships and everything. That's a really great quote. So I appreciate that. Um, this has been a good episode, Elizabeth. I thank you so much for coming on. And we're definitely going to have you back once you release the show. So make sure you hit me up when you release the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, the book that is. I receive it. You never yes. think I have a show. Who knows? I know, right? You might have a show. I mean, why not? I mean, the information you give... It's completely amazing. You know what I mean? Not everybody is in the luxury business, you know? And so you can't get this type of information, these jewels that you just dropped on the show from everyone. You know, a lot of people are just selling off Amazon. You know, you see tons of people that's doing that. But what you're doing is... is is a very particular type of industry that not everybody have access to. And so I think you could have a show. It can open up the world. I remember the show called The Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous back in the day. You know, you never know. You can do it. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Okay. So we'll definitely have you back when you release the book. Um, I am Shawnee Sanders. This is the Girl Take No podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.